Good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and let's get right into this lesson. We're talking about uh, Joseph. We've been talking about Joseph for several weeks, and uh, it's called Joseph, God Meant It for Good. And uh, we've looked at so much. I've learned so much from this study these last several weeks. Uh, today, I want to talk about resisting the urge to get even. And uh, I don't know why that reminds me of marriage uh, in some ways. Uh, you know, we have that marriage retreat information, by the way, out there at the at the information booth. If you're uh, wanting to know a little more about it, it's with Steve Autry, and it's going to be coming up pretty quick. But you can get all the information you like about that out there in the information desk. But it seems like uh, when we think of vengeance, we think of our, our arch enemies or our nemesis. But sometimes it happens right in our own family and our own marriage. And uh, Joseph is having a very uh, similar situation where he is going through a very tough time with his family. In fact, his brothers get rid of him. They sell him to to be a slave. He ends up, uh, shortly after that, uh, falsely accused, ends up in prison. And um, oh, it's just bad all over for Joseph, it seems. And if anybody ever had a reason to get even with some of his brothers, it would be Joseph. What is it about revenge? We use terms like revenge is best served cold. Or uh, I want to give them a taste of their own medicine. Someone once said, uh, don't get mad, get even. And who can forget those inspiring words of Arnold Schwarzenegger in Running Man? I'll be back. You know, and he used that in several movies. And what did he do when he got back? He got justice is what it looks like. Uh, people can be pretty creative when it comes to uh, taking revenge. I was reading about a, a, a woman who blogged this online. My boyfriend was cheating on me, so one afternoon I convinced him that we should get matching tattoos. He went first, and I went home. So he, he, pretty rough, huh? Yeah, rough crowd. Okay. Let me show you some pictures here. Here's a, a, a picture I'm hoping we have this morning. Do we have any pics up there? Wonderful. This is what you call bad karma, folks. I mean, literally, bad karma. You park in the wrong spot and somebody's taking it out on you. Look at this person double park. You'll think next time if you ever double park. Got another picture we can see? Is it just acting slow today? There it is. No, he's not for a long time. It's interesting, uh, this next picture is a guy. He was asked to move his truck by a fellow who was in construction. And here's the guy's response when he didn't move his truck. The guy went in to use the porta potty, and so the construction worker conveniently made him have a whole afternoon by himself to meditate on that thought. <laughs> Here's one, uh, next one. It's a husband called his wife, a, said, You're nothing but a sandwich maker. He bit into a sandwich, couldn't figure it out, opens it up, and look what it says. LAUGHTER <laughs> Yeah, you'll think next time before you bite into anything there. So, but yeah, we we do. We uh, I've had somebody. I've said this before. If we talk about you know vengeance, and maybe you're somebody that might say something like, "Well, I'm not a tooth, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth person," and you're probably right. I'm not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth person. I'm more of an eye for a tooth and a tooth for an ear person. You say, "What do you mean by that, Tim?" Well, I don't just, you know, tit for tat. I don't get do the same thing they did to me. I get even other ways. Uh, I didn't hear you. I didn't quite get that. I forgot all about that, honey. Uh, or, or I'm just being a stinker, cantankerous, you know. Or, or I, I just I find other subtle ways to do that. And you might say, well, you know, okay, that that makes sense. You know, maybe you're a, I. For a tooth type of person. We all have this desire to get revenge at some time. I think of anybody that had plenty of reasons to want revenge, it was Joseph. Like I said before, we've learned he was rejected by his brothers, thrown into a pit. They were going to kill him, but then they end up saying, oh no, let's do something else. Let's make some money off of him. So they sell him, make a little lunch money from it. And then on top of that, he's as a slave, he serves faithfully. He decides to make the best of it. You know, make you know, life gives you lemons, make some lemonade. So he's being a good servant, only to be falsely accused by a woman in the house. And then he's thrown in prison by his master Potiphar. And there he spends years there. And he listens to guys who have been are there on purpose. Kind of like your own little Shawshank Redemption in the Bible. 
He's the only innocent man in Shawshank. And he's got friends and he finds out there's a cupbearer and a baker there and he, they have dreams. He's able to interpret dreams. So he interprets the dream and then next thing you know, uh, the, the two guys get out. One dies. The other one's supposed to remember Joseph. Remember, he says to the cupbearer, please remember me. Put in a good word for me so I can get out of here because I'm innocent. And uh, the cupbearer forgets for two years. And then finally when he remembers, Joseph, you know, finally gets out of prison. Frank Sinatra once said, the best revenge is massive success. And Joseph experienced massive success after 20 years of suffering. He goes from the pit to the palace. And, and he goes from a guy who has no right to the guy who's or no levers, who has all the levers. And he's able to, uh, he's a very powerful, powerful person. And so, now let me show this passage to you up here on the screen. This is in Genesis 42. Uh, what happens is, is that uh, after after he gets out, after 20 years, he's he's now uh, 37 years old, and for the next seven years, Joseph is, is preparing for this seven-year famine, and he concocts this amazing, elaborate plan that takes lots of organization, lots of thought. And, and lots of people, lots, lots of responsibility, and he's able to be ready for this famine. And it does hit on time, just like Pharaoh's dream predicted in the second, so it's two years into this famine, all of a sudden, everybody's being affected by this time. There's five more years to go. In the second year of the famine, uh, the, his brothers are, are realizing they're out of food, and guess who shows up in front of this guy? Uh, that's now second in command. It's the brothers. And look what it says here. Since Joseph was governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly. I wonder what was going through his mind. Think about that. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? He demanded. We're from the land of Canaan, they replied. We've come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Just imagine, here's a man who has you know, waited a long time. It's been over 20. It's almost 30 years since he's seen his brothers. And he instantly recognizes them. They can't recognize him because he still has Egyptian garb on. And he has all this stuff that's kind of covering his appearance. And so he watches these guys as they come in. They bow down. And I don't know what's going through your mind, but I know this. When I, when I first read this passage years ago as a young Christian, I thought, man, this is when Joseph is going to get his pound of flesh. He is going to get even. Because I would be thinking, you guys threw me in a pit. You guys sold me. You guys talked about killing me. I pleaded with you. You wouldn't listen. And then I get into this situation where I'm working for somebody I don't know. I get falsely accused, thrown in prison, but I'm back. And I'm bold. He has, listen, think about this church. He has the position. He has the power. And he has the opportunity. What would you do? Squish him like a bug. No. Joseph, revenge, uh, a reckoning is not on Joseph's mind at all. Here's what the Bible says is on his mind following that passage. It says, as they bowed, Joseph remembered what he had dreamed about them. In other words, what was dominating the mind of Joseph wasn't how to get even, but it was something else. It was something else. How did he resist? How did he resist getting even? Let me give you four ways or four things or reasons that will help you resist your reason. Uh, urge to get even. Number one, I value God's will over mine. Like I said, Joseph remembers not how to get even, not what they did, but he remembers the dream that God gave him. This is what dominates his mind. He's focused on what God has, has been doing and what God has done. Now, Joseph wasn't always focused on that. He was focused on his own little world. But God opened up this bigger picture, you see. And so when Joseph finally reveals himself to his brothers, it's not he's not revealing himself so he can say, I got you, have a gotcha moment, and I'm going to get even. 
He does it for something entirely different. Look what the Bible says here in Genesis 45, 3-8. through He said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But the brothers could not answer him because they were very afraid of him. Well, yeah, they're afraid of him. They realized, oh my goodness, if that's Joseph, we're dead meat. And look what it goes on. It says, so Joseph said to them, come close to me. And when the brothers came close to him, he said to them, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold as a slave to Egypt. And look what he says here. Now don't be worried or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. I could, I, I, I got, he's saying don't be worried and don't be full of anger of what's happened. As if Joseph could remember the days when he was worried, bothered, bitter, angry. Just don't be doing that. Why not? Because there's something else to think of besides payback. You're thinking about payback. You think right now I'm revealing myself. We're, we're going to have some payback. It's not about payback. You need to think about something better, something bigger. What is it? The will of God is in this. God sent me here, he says, ahead of you to save people's lives. No food has grown in the land for two years now. And there will be there'll be five more years without planting or harvesting. So God sent me here ahead of you to make sure you and some descendants left on earth and, the, and, and to keep you alive in an amazing way. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. God has made me the highest officer of the king in Egypt. I'm in charge of his palace. I'm the master of all the land of Egypt. See, his brothers are thinking about payback. They're going to get paid back. They're thinking about vengeance. Joseph's vengeance. Joseph isn't thinking about it at all. He has no urge to get even. Why? He's thinking about the will of God, not his will. He's thinking about what God wants, not what he wants. You see, when, I, when I'm caught up in getting even, I'm thinking about what I want. I want my pound of flesh. I want, I want, I want to clear my name. I want to make them suffer. One lady said, I, want my, I wanted my husband to feel what I felt. She said this to, to her therapist. This is, so what did you do? Well, we have a big baby grand piano, and I hired some guys to shove it out the window, and it crushed his Lamborghini. And now he knows how I feel. And the therapist said, I'm sorry, honey. He doesn't know how you feel. Huh? He doesn't know how you feel. Why not? See, he, he isn't thinking of you. He's thinking of his Lamborghini. And so this idea, you know, there's, there's other thoughts, other things. When we get caught up in revenge, we get caught up in what we think is going to work. What we want, we want it even. We want it, want it, uh, right. We think we're making it right. And it never is. Now I want to tell you something. When you're thinking about the will of God right now, if you've been, you think about the people that have hurt you, that have offended you, that have wronged you or ripped you off in some way. Thinking about the will of God, I believe, is very, very difficult. Because I'm not thinking about God. I'm thinking about getting even. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I'm thinking of ways I can twist it on them. Make them suffer. Make them pay. Get a dose of their own medicine. Right? And, and Joseph's going, I'm not thinking about that, Tim. Why not? Because I've learned something. There is something greater to think about. What is God doing is bigger than what's happened to me. Now, I want to say this to you as kindly as I can, and I say it to myself. I know some of you here can think about moments you've been, been hurt, wronged, lied about, slandered, abused physically, sexually, verbally, emotionally. You've been treated unjustly, fired, let go, whatever. And you may be thinking, Tim, that's pretty big in my eyes. And I want to say, it is big. It is big in your eyes. But when you put it against the, the tapestry, the big picture of God, it's not as big. I say that as loving as... I will tell you, I, I was sexually abused at the age of four. You want to talk about big. When, I remember thinking it was no big deal. And a fellow, a, a brother of mine set me down, brother in Christ, and said, Tim, if that happened to one of your children, how would you feel? I'd be furious, I said. I would punch the guy out. So it's a big deal if it happens to your kids and not a big deal if it happens to you. And it hit me. Oh my, it is a big deal. 
But I want to say to you again, when you see the big picture, the will of God, that's what Joseph did. He was able to, he was able to deal with the snapshot of his suffering, what he was dealing with. There was something bigger. That's why it's difficult. This is difficult, isn't it? To think like that. Because he keeps giving glory to God, giving credit to God. He keeps, his mind is centered on God, which is bigger than my hurt. And if you ever want to get healed from a hurt, you've got to think about something bigger than your hurt. And God is that, is that thought. The will of God. And he, so he's dealing with that. And I'm saying to you, I'm asking you this morning, Joseph is asking us this morning, can you muster the faith to think a little bigger than what happened to you. Because there's more going on than what's happened to you personally. More, much more going on. Look what he says. He says to these guys, um, he says to them in chapter 50, he has to bring it up again. You know, years have passed. Dad has died. The brothers think now he's going to take vengeance because dad is gone. And he, ha- and he has to say to them these words, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I, I can punish you? He says, I'm not, I don't have the right to punish you. Listen, folks, you and I never have the right to take vengeance on anyone. We don't have that right. Joseph f- figured that out. I don't think he always felt that way. I think the, his suffering helped him understand that. There's a purpose in his suffering to help him understand that. He says, you intended to harm me. That was your intentions. But I'll tell you what, God has intentions too with the same things. God intended it all for good. He used it all for good. Your intention, and I I haven't forgotten, our brains can't forget what people have done to us. But our brains choose what we're going to dwell on. What we're going to form our life around. And he says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I... I could save the lives of many people. You see, when I bring God's will and God's plan into my sufferings, then a shift occurs in my mind. The shift occurs from seeing suffering as a purpose, but also the things I don't understand, God can use and work out. and can work it. You know, uh, I noticed something. Jesus did the same thing. He approached... Joseph and Jesus have so much in common, and we learn... A lot about Jesus from the Old Testament stories. There's lots of parallels here. But didn't, didn't Jesus say one time when he was suffering, not my will, but yours be done? Didn't he say that? He sure did, didn't he? He prayed that. He was bleeding from his head as he prayed that. It was, he was so troubled in spirit. So, so, so much in anguish. He says, not my will, but yours be done. And then on the, then, then he's on the cross. And what does he say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus, you're getting killed by these people, but they don't know what they're doing. I want, I want God to forgive them. I want my Father to forgive them. And then his last statement on the cross, he says, I commit my spirit to you. I commit my spirit to you. I give it to you, Lord. I surrender to you. You know, I was looking at that this morning, just this morning, putting little finishing touches, and I'm going, man, how are you able to do that, Jesus? Well, he says, he says something, um, he says something reminded me of a song I remember hearing when I was a young child going, growing up in the Methodist church, and maybe you've heard this song. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. Remember that song? You don't know that song? Yeah, it's, it's not true. He, he, he could have called 12 legions of angels. Not 10,000. That's thousands upon thousands upon thousands. And I got to thinking, in Matthew 26, Jesus says those words. He says, you know, don't you think I could call 
of twelve legions of angels, and they would come. And then he says, he asks the question, but how will the will of God be done if it's done that way? How is the will of God going to be done if I call twelve legions and wipe everybody out? It won't get done. Vengeance will not solve the problem. You see that? Aren't you glad the Lord stuck to His guns and said, not my will, but yours be done for you and me? Amen. And Joseph, he's not about his will anymore. Somehow he's learned through time with God. He's learned it's not about my will, what I want. It's about what God wants. And I say again, this is hard to do. I know it's difficult to do. You need God's help with that, huh? But that'll help you resist the urge to get even. Here's number two. I can resist the urge to get even when I accept the futility of revenge. I accept the futility of revenge. You know, Joseph is mistreated by his brothers, by other people, people of power. And I noticed something. You're noticing in your notes, there's no scriptures from Genesis. Did you notice that on your notes? There's not one scripture from Genesis. Why is it so quiet? Joseph never says anything about getting even. He never insinuates or references it. He never brings it up. Only his brothers bring it up. He doesn't bring it up. He says nothing about getting even. They keep bringing it up to him. I wonder why. I have an opinion. I think he learned how futile it is how big a waste of time it is to dwell on and, and to think about and to execute a way to get even with people. Maybe he learned it while he was in prison. He, hear, he heard people talking about how you saw how bitter they were, how they're going to get back. If I get out of here, I will gonna get, I'm going to settle the score in some way. I don't know what it was, but something happened to Joseph where he didn't, see the value of getting even. It just wasn't part of him anymore. You know, people try to get even for a lot of different ways, but they also, there's a lot of different reasons. Let me give you four, four of my reasons for getting even with people. All right? I figured they, they can't be yours. They've been mine at times. Number one, I want to clear my name. I'm going to get even so I can clear my name. I want vindicated. I want to be able to prove I'm right. Now listen, listen to this. I, there's been times I've tried to expose and prove to people of someone's motives bad or they're not as, they're not who you think they are, the hypocrisy, whatever it be, or I, I just, I just want to shame them. And can I tell you something, folks? You may, listen, you and I may, when we do this, we may think that our revenge will clear our name. But you know what it does? The truth is, you confirm and I confirm something ugly and monstrous in our hearts. It's called malice. It's called bitterness. It's called resentment. Well, I want them to feel like I feel. They're not going to feel... You're not, that's not going to happen. They're not going to feel like you feel. But they're going to know how you feel about them. God's going to know how you feel about them. And so this idea of, you know, I just want to, you know, I, I want to clear my name. Joseph never tries to clear his name. There's no mention of it in Scripture. He's not after vindication. Number two, there's another motive. I want to even the score. I think of uh, Tombstone, the movie Tombstone with Val Kilmer, and, you know, and Kurt Russell and you know, the Earp family's been shot up, you know, and uh, Virgil's can't use his arm. His brother's been killed. And he's on a rampage. He's getting, I mean, they're hunting down these cowboys one by one. He's getting them all. And after a big major gunfight, one of the deputies looks over at Doc Holliday. He goes, I can understand why he, he's wanting to get vengeance and what they did to his brothers. He goes, remember, he goes, Val Kilmer goes, he don't want vengeance. He wants a reckoning. Reckoning. I want to even the score. 
Proverbs 24 says this, don't say I'll get even with that man. I'll do to him what he did to me. I wonder why. Because it never is even. It's never, ever even. Gandhi said this, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. You see, I've learned this about me, and maybe you've, maybe you're learning this. Revenge never goes as planned. It never quite goes as you planned it. Read a little blog about a woman, how she tried to get revenge this week, and she goes, I was dating a guy, and I found out he had a boyfriend, and I, he was cheating on the, on his girlfriend by dating me. I thought, so we got into a little argument about it. Next thing you know, you know, we're breaking up. And I thought, well, I'm go- I know what I'm going to do. He calls the girlfriend, his current girlfriend, and says, hey, let me tell you about so-and-so. He and I have been dating for several you know, months, blah, blah, blah. He's been, we've been doing this and this and this. And he thought, there, and hung up. The ex-boyfriend and the girlfriend he had ended up hating her. It didn't, she goes, it didn't go like I planned it. I thought it would, and, and besides, it wasn't even. She managed not only to hurt him, he may have deserved it, but he hurt another person in the process. It just seems to me it never works, you know, when you're trying to, to um, even the score. In fact, when you're trying to even the score, usually you put a little bit more on it, and then they come back a little bit more. And then you come back a little bit more. And this never ends. It's an endless cycle. And how do you, you can't move on. Because it won't go away. You won't let it go. Here's another one. I want to satisfy my desire to win. What is it about us Americans? We want to win. We want to be on top. And sometimes we seek revenge with this desire, this hidden, under the radar desire, I want to be on top. Emotionally on top of this person. I'm mostly at top of the situation. The problem is, revenge doesn't work that way. In fact, if you're seeking revenge with somebody, you're actually giving them more power in your life than you realize. You should never give them that much power. And, I, and Alan, you know, you said that's right. I can tell you personally, I have allowed so many people in my life to have that kind of power. One guy said one time, he said, it's like letting people live rent-free in your head. You need to evict them. They've moved on. They're not even thinking about you. And here you are still dwelling on it. And I've, I've found myself so many times caught up in that. It just It's awful. It's an awful way to live. You're bitter and bothered. And it's never enough. And, and you're not the one really winning. You know who's winning? They are. And the last one is, I want to feel better. I just want to feel feel some healing take place. Revenge doesn't heal anybody. Revenge doesn't make anything better. Now you may say, well, I feel better for a little while. I feel better for, for a little while. You got it, a little while. It doesn't last. It doesn't last. And evidence has shown... Uh, lots of studies have shown the person, people that get caught up in trying to pay back and get back people, they only make things worse. In fact, they're miserable people. Why is that? Revenge keeps the wound open and festered. And I'm doing it to myself. I'm the one that's keeping it open. It's still fresh. There's something about when I'm able to let go of it and forgive it that heals that wound. The healing begins. So, I value God's will. Joseph values God's will over his own, what he wants. Second thing is, I just see the futility of vengeance. It just doesn't work. It doesn't make any... It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's useless. I think Joseph learned that in prison. He's thinking, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll get, I'll get him back, I'll get him back. The thing is, folks, you know, he couldn't go anywhere and finally I could just see him going, you know, this is a waste of time. I'm not going to get out of here. Wait a second. Maybe I just learned something from my suffering that vengeance is a waste of time. Let me ask you this. If you were in prison a long time and, you know, you had some people put you there, 
and you got out and you became the second most powerful person in the nation, what would be the first thing you'd like to ask the Pharaoh for? I know what I would have thought of. Can I have a small army? Why? I guess that the, I want to go somewhere. Where? I want to go back home and take care of some things. You know, kind of put some closure on some issues. Joseph doesn't do that. He gets right to work. He's resisting this urge to get even. And he's resisted so long, the urge is gone. Well, that's a good lesson right there about any urge. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Yeah, urges lose their strength when we resist. Number three, I appreciate God's mercy on me. Over and over and over in Joseph's life, we see God's kindness or mercy, His kindness, His grace on this man. It says in chapter 39, verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed mercy on him and loving kindness and gave him favor in the sight of the warden uh, of the prison. It, it, it's interesting. I thought to myself, does, is Joseph aware of God's mercy and kindness on him? Or is this something everybody else sees? And he's not aware of it. I think he's aware of it. Because, wow, this is working out a lot better. God is, how many times have you said, thank you, God, when something's working out? You realize, I don't deserve it. You've been merciful to me. You've been kind to me. I think uh, Acts 7, Stephen talks about the, 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 God, the kindness or the grace or the mercy of God and the wisdom of God was on Joseph and Pharaoh noticed it. Pharaoh noticed it. So it was something he carried with him. Now, how did he get this mercy? How did he become such a merciful man? Now think about this for a second. I've mentioned this earlier uh, in, in some of the um, lessons. Joseph was going to be one of the most powerful people on the planet. Now you, you've heard of a lot of, you've seen red histories. You know about powerful people on the planet that aren't merciful. You can name a few, can't you? You, think, you, you can say, think of them right now. And they, they did more harm than good. And God needed Joseph. He, did, he needed him free and clear of this urge of vindication, of, 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 or this vendetta mentality if he was going to have such power, such responsibility, such leadership. He wanted mercy in this man. And I think that I'm convinced that's why he's in prison for as long as he is. He's forgotten for as long as he is. God is still chipping away at this urge and saying, look, it's not about you. It's about something bigger. Just imagine what Joseph would have been like if, if he hadn't been merciful. What kind of leader he'd have been. How skewed his wisdom. What, what are you ta- why are you talking about this? Mom? Dad? How skewed is your wisdom in your family when you're, holding, when you're, when you're thinking of getting even with somebody? Or if you're, if you're a church leader and you're caught up in some church drama, and I know this, I know this really well. I know it really well. I get caught up in a, man, I like to show them, I like to prove to them, and they're gonna eat their words. How can I lead anyone down a path of God with that attitude? Because honey, I got news for you folks. You're, you are going to get hurt again and again and again and again in the kingdom. It's just the way it is. And the only way... What is Something about mercy triumphs. The idea of mercy is just so powerful that you you got to go, you know what? I am not going to be about that anymore. I'm convinced God blesses churches that are merciful. I was reading a little article about teenagers. A teenager said, you want me back in your church? How about being kind to me and not so judgmental? Just We want some kindness, some understanding. And Joseph, how do you know he got this, this mercy? Because during the seven years of plenty, he got married and he had kids. He married one woman. Wasn't going to make the same mistake 
dad did, that four women thing don't work out very good, you know. One woman, and he only has two kids. And what are their names? Manasseh and Ephraim. And Manasseh means forget. He says, I'm going to name him Manasseh because God helped me forget about my trouble and my family. Oh, so he wrote off his family. That's what he means. No, he didn't write them off. I'm forgetting what they did to me. Can you forget? The brain just makes it impossible. Although, I have to admit, as I've gotten older, I'm starting to forget a lot of things. And so it's because of my age. But I've also learned that some things I can forget by selection. Or I can, I can just, they just aren't, I don't dwell on them so much, so they don't, I don't recall them. And somehow, he says, during the time, listen, of great blessing, he goes, the Lord has helped me forget my trouble and my family. The trouble my family caused. God will help you forget. I can't forget. God can help you forget. No, Tim, it's physically impossible. You know, you science psychobabble on me now? All I know is Joseph said, I don't think about it anymore. That's the kind of forgetting that God blessed him with. And he says, and, and, and I had a second son, I'm naming him Ephraim, which means to be quadruple blessed. Like, blessed, 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 and blessed. Like, way too much. He's going, I've been blessed so much. He counts his blessings by calling one of his sons a four-level blessing. Says He just, he's just a blessing. God, you've been such a blessing to my life. He's learned something from God. He says, because God has blessed me in the land where I've suffered. Whoa! Are you, Joseph, what are you saying? Suffering is good. Joseph, no, don't, don't, don't leave us. Don't say that. Now you're on the other side of this issue. I believe suffering is bad. No, no, Tim, suffering is good. No, don't say that. Come back, Joseph. Come back to reality. No, Tim, you need to come into reality. Suffering is good. God has finally made it good. I finally understand, and I see it. How? How? Because He was so patient with me with His mercy and kindness as I went through all this crap. Because I wanted to get them. I wanted to do something. And I'm trying to figure out how until finally, you know, the fight is out of me. And I surrender. I surrender. And so Joseph has this great appreciation for the, the, the evidence of God's mercy. Every time he sees Manasseh, he calls out Manasseh, Hey, f- forget! God made me forget. He's got a totally different attitude now. Hey, blessing! Blessing, 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 blessing! We come to bless, to bless, to bless, to bless your name. That's four blessings. What's that all about? That's weird. No, he says, I'm just, I'm, the, the mercy, your mercy has, and, and then after, so after, after dad dies, after Jacob dies and they've buried him, it says here that Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who accompanied him to his father, father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. This is So they sent this message. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for your sin of treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of our father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Why is Joseph crying? Oh man, you found me out. I was going to kill you. No. He's crying because he can't believe they still think. They keep bringing up this vengeance stuff. He's, he's like, I'm not, I'm not thinking like that. I'm not even considering that, guys. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before him. Look, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? 
He said, I don't have a right to punish you. You intended, yeah, I know, you intended to harm me, but God's intent was different. It was all for good. And it says, notice at the very end of there, so he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. He's merciful to these to his offenders. He, he sees these guys are still afraid. He's hurt by their suspicious nature. He's hurt by their fear. And he's saying, do I have the right to take vengeance on you? I'm not God. I'm just Joseph. And I, I think of God's intentions on all of us. On me and my wrongdoers. I think of the mercy he displayed on my life. I could just see Joseph learning a lot about himself, you know, on that slave wagon and then in Potiphar's house and in prison. What's he learning? I could see him looking at his brothers going, you know, guys, I got to admit to you, I thought it was one side at one time, but you know, I, could, I was a little cocky. You know, I wore the coat, I knew it bothered you. So I kind of flaunted it. And I did, I would give bad reports to dad on purpose. You know, Reuben, you're sitting there with your legs crossed under a tree, taking a nap and you should be working. Yeah, I was a tattletale. I deserve, I kind of deserve some of the way you were treating me there. It's not always, not always, one side, not always. He said, but I, but I could see him say, but I discovered something while I was in prison. What your intent was to do this. Here's what I learned, what God did with it. I learned that he was with me. I learned he saved, he saved my blessed assurance many times. He saved me out of situations. He was there. He, he was able to get me out of that. He, and, and by the way, guys, he, he also saved my life over and over again. I learned that God is kind. He's kind to me. And I believe the love of God that Joseph experienced tempered this urge to get even. Now, I want to ask you something. Let's think about this morning. If, if you have urges, you might, again, you're not, you're not a tooth for a tooth guy. You're a tooth for an ear person, okay? I get it. Or an eye for whatever. You're doing, you've got somebody you'd like to settle the score with in some way, just a little. You gotta ask yourself something. Is the mercy of God tempering your urge in any way? And if you're having trouble with that, maybe it's because you're not experiencing the mercy of God. Because when you experience the mercy of God, it makes you merciful. When you experience the kindness of God, you realize how kind God is, you begin to be kind. It's like all that resentment and bitterness begins to melt away. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6 here in the message. Paraphrase, I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Is that, are those people that hurt us? Yeah. Help and give without ex- expecting in return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us. Notice that, toward us. Generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. That's why Colossians now makes so much sense when it says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Here's what I'm learning. How I see how God is treating me has a direct link to how I treat other people. And if I'm treating other people poorly and think I've got a great relationship going on with God, I need to think again. If, if I, you know, and, I, and I'm preaching to myself, okay, I just know there's times I'm just rude and crude and selfish and I'm going, why am I being this way? Because my God and I aren't on good terms. Because if I, if I knew, if I would, could just open up and see how kind He is to me, it will melt away that bitterness and resentment. It turns you into a kind person. So let's see, what have we learned so far? To resist the urge to get even. Like Joseph, I, I just I need to really just... I, I, need, I need to accept the will, the will of God or value it over my own. 
value what God wants over what I want. Value what God wants over my desire to get even. And I, I need to... Well, another thing I can do is, if I could just accept... I, you know, by the way, the, the original point I had was see. I can see stuff and not accept it. I can see the futility of, of revenge. That doesn't mean it. So what? I see it. I see lots of stuff. You know, I see, I see a, a raccoon walking across the road. And I still run over it. You know, I mean, no, I, but to accept it, to accept that it isn't profitable, that's a major step in, in turning that urge away. And I appreciate the kindness. I recognize and appreciate. I value the kindness of God in my life. Just think about how kind He's been over the years to me. I know when, when I'm suffering and I'm, uh, I'm going through something, I don't see that kindness, but it's in there all the time. It was in Joseph's life, and it's in your life and in my life all the time. And the fourth thing I can do is I let God, I let God settle the score. I let God settle the score. Look what it says here in Romans 12:19. Dear friends, don't try to get even. Let God take revenge. In the scriptures, the Lord says, "I'm the one to take revenge and pay them back." I hear a lot of people talking about this word karma. Karma. What is karma? Well, karma is this magical force in the universe that just sets things right. I mean, you've probably experienced either one end or the other of karma, right? You're driving down 270 and you get cut off. In tra- I get cut off in traffic a lot because I drive slow. Well, this guy goes flying by. I'm like, he almost ran it, almost hit me. And I'm driving along and about three miles later, there's a policeman stopping the very car that almost hit me. Thank you, karma. Or you, maybe you've been on the other end. You're the one that stopped. Darn karma. I want to tell you, I don't know whether you believe in karma or not, you know, or, Whatever it is, I will tell you this. There is something much stronger than karma. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God, the hand of God, works through the Holy Spirit to set things right. Maybe that's the world's way. That's what they call karma. I think it's the Holy Spirit. One of the things I think so exciting about this story that uh, it just thrills me is Joseph gets to see God working with his oppressors. You know, a lot of times when, when we're, we're thinking, you know, uh, God, you're not going to do anything about it, so I'm going to make my own karma. I'm going to, you know, since you're not, take, you're not fast enough to get revenge for me, I'll take care of it. And that's why it never works out. God knows a lot more about revenge than you and I. He's much better at it. And that's why we should let him even the score. Look at it says here in Genesis 42. His brothers are he's he's been they've been they've been talking and Joseph says you're spies and he goes we're not spies we're just hungry you're spies you're trying to spy out the land I always thought that was Joseph trying to toy with everybody like oh he's here's he's using his power to get even he's not doing that he's testing these guys to see if have they changed because because I sure have changed in the last 40 years the last 30. But not seeing them for almost thirty, I have I have experienced a lot of changes. I wonder if they changed any. And look at the Bible says here in verses twenty-one through twenty-four. Speaking among themselves, they said, "Clearly, we're being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy?" Reuben asked. But you wouldn't listen. No. And now we got to an answer for his blood. Of course they didn't know now that Joseph understood them, for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. And it says, now he turned away from them and began to weep. Why is Joseph weeping? Why is he weeping? I believe he's weeping because he sees their remorse. He sees their brokenness. They're confessing. They don't know he can hear them. They don't know he's Hebrew. He can hear them going, oh, we messed up. We did something. Why did we do this? We knew we were going to answer this. We heard him plead. You know, the, the moment when that actually happened, Joseph's thinking, they're not listening to a word I say. Now they regret it. 
Who did that to them? Joseph didn't have to do a thing. He didn't have to do anything. God did it. God worked on these guys' hearts. Question, is God working on my offender? Yes. But is He doing what I want to be done? Well, wait, that's a good question, see. That's a great question to follow up with. Because God is already on it. That's why Joseph says, Am I in the place of God? In other words, vengeance is His, not mine, he says in Genesis 50 there. See, I've, over the years I've realized something. God does a much better job of getting even than I can. And you can. It, it's What's interesting is, is that why is He so much better at it? Because my puny thinking makes revenge about what is good for me. And when God is to, His wrath, His vengeance, He's about what is good for everyone. What is good for everyone? See, God wants your offenders saved. What do you want? God wants the offender saved. What do you want? Years ago, when we were meeting at the Brighton Municipal Building, I hadn't been here very long, there was a commotion. One of the sisters in Christ was just crying, bawling, out of control. Women were grabbing her. What's, all, what's going on? Oh, I can't. She runs to the ladies' bathroom. They all follow her. A bunch of them follow her. What's going on? What's going on? I don't, I don't know. What we find out is the man who had raped her had been invited by somebody else and came to church. And she was... I don't... What? 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 And he is... He's standing there and people are shaking his hand and welcoming him, being kind to him, and she's just overwhelmed with hate, confusion, and they're sitting there talking to her in this, in this bathroom, a bunch of women around her, praying with her, saying, listen, do you think God wants him saved? And it just hit her. She goes, I never even thought of that. That's what he wants. And that's what I should want. She comes out of this bathroom. You know, her eyes are all red and everything. And she's able to sit in the same room with this man, able to worship, be kind, see him. She, and it was a process. She had to work through it. But she was able to let go of her urge for vengeance and embrace the urge of God to save. Is God working on your offender? He's working on him, her, so much better than you can come up with. You know, you think you're really clever on Facebook with a little catchy comeback. It's not even close to what God can do with that person. You're not really getting anywhere with that approach. You gotta let God even the score. And when he, and when he settles the score, he settles the account, yeah, it's not going to be probably what you want initially until you realize, well, I do really want what God wants. And what did God want with the brothers of Joseph? He wanted them saved. Not dead, saved. I think about people who have offended me, people who have hurt me, people who have wronged me. And I get, I get bothered, and I get, I'm angry when I hear their name, or I, somebody brings up a topic that's close to it, and I bolt out of my emotions, and, and then I begin to go, wait a second. That's my, that's a, my brother in Christ. That's my sister in Christ. That's a friend of a family, or that's, that's a person that God loves and has, and desires to see them saved. 
Well, I don't want them saved. God does. Will I let God have that? Let Him work it out? Because He will. He, he knows how and will settle the score. Just, just think about this. I've thought about this. Just like God gives me time and you time to repent and change, He's giving them time to repent and change. Let me read these two verses and I'll be done here. All this trouble is clear sign that God has decided to make you fit for the kingdom. You're suffering now, but justice is on the way. When the Master Jesus appears out of heaven in a blazing of fire, blaze of fire with his strong angels, he'll even up the score by settling accounts with those who gave you such a bad time. Now, if those people never repent, God will take care of it. If they repent, God will take care of it. First Peter, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. And some of those people that were so hard on him and awful turned to God. He left it in his Father's hands. But he let God settle the score. I don't know who you got, who it is that, that offends you, that hurts you, betrays you, hurts your feelings, rips you off, you're thinking of. Maybe it's your spouse. They disappointed you in some way. They, they made you angry or they, they don't care. You don't think they care. And so you, you don't take a, it isn't a tooth for a tooth. You try other, other subtle ways to get even. You need to stop that. That's not how God works. Let God take care of that. By the way, God is working on your spouse. Just like He's working on you. He's working on everybody. See the futility of getting even. It, it, never, it never is even. It just makes it worse and it's an endless cycle. Think about how kind God is to you and let His kindness flow out of you. Let, it, let your kindness show your kindness. And above all, let His will be your main concern, not yours. You have a card in uh, your bulletin and maybe you've got something you want to write about, pray about, or make a comment on. Um, I hope this lesson encourages you. I know this is a painful topic to talk about. Um, I know it can be tough sometimes. But then God just, He wants to bless us with peace and um, with people. And uh, He does that. He does that by helping us deal with ourselves first, that peace inside us. May God richly bless you to resist that urge to get even and to surrender to God's mercy. Let it, let it just change you. Let's pray here. Father, thank You for uh, this morning, Lord. And thank You, Father, for the example of Joseph. Father, help us restrain ourselves. Help us look to You for help when we begin to think about ways to get even with somebody. Maybe it's a clever comeback. Maybe it's not caring, being apathetic, ignoring, snubbing. Help us see, Father, that's nothing like Your Son was. You know, You didn't snub us, Father. You didn't ignore us. You embraced us. We didn't deserve it. You were kind to us when we were unkind. Father, help that kindness that You have because You're kind. Help us learn to be kind to everyone, especially to have mercy toward those that have hurt us. Help us forgive. Help us forgive so healing can begin. Someone in this room, Father, is really, really hurting and that wound has been open for years when you begin to heal that emotional wound. Heal that wound with your love and your mercy and kindness. Let your Holy Spirit, Father, really work on us today. Father, this lesson is important because it really has a lot to do with defining what kind of church we're going to be. 
kind of people we're going to be, what kind of man I'm going to be. Help us let this colorful story of Joseph encourage us, Father, and nudge us to be more like Your Son, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.